0: buddy uh we're back this is i think episode 3 uh i am joined with uh eric kant on the phone uh i've sort of known eric now for i feel like virtually around 10 years uh i think literally as i jumped on linkedin you were one of the first people that i came across um and you have a like we were just chatting you have a crazy background um, and the reason that I actually wanted to have you on is the fact that I think you are doing some stuff that scares emergency managers and public safety folks uh, because it is like truly innovating things. And you're using tools that I uh, I don't think most emergency managers even have a elementary grasp on, much less an advanced grasp on. So maybe to start off with, just give us uh, a quick Background, and we just literally the warm up chat was almost 50 minutes. So <laughs> let's do the very uh, expeditious uh, version of that. But uh, Eric, thanks for coming on. And if, yeah, like I said, if you just mind giving us a quick background, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, man, uh, absolutely. Uh, I started life uh, working for a family business in Coney Island that led me to uh, public safety where I worked as an EMT in both New York and Florida. Uh, In Florida, I ended up becoming a firefighter and uh, emergency manager and get engaged in multiple presidentially declared disasters, uh, which then takes me to uh, 9-11, Katrina, Sandy, multiple Olympics, multiple Super Bowls, um, security work, beltway sniper shootings, and those type of events for about a decade and for the last seven years, I've been applying uh, innovation, applied innovation, elements that work in the most cutting edges of technology to uh, public safety. So
0: Whether I think he just
1: robotics, artificial <laughs> intelligence, or anything like that. You talk just said
0: ahead, yeah, so that's great. that uh, for one, uh, so people are he's he's completely underselling, uh, and it's because I made him talk really quickly. Uh, He is a New Yorker and just in the chatting uh, if anyone has lived or has family or knows people from New York like it can go off the rails real fast and the stuff that he's told me already is incredible so we might have to have him on again because just for some of the stories Uh, but for the purposes of what we're talking about today I think the the key word you just said is applied innovation so I have been uh, in emergency management and first response uh, since I was a teenager um, which I'm 38, so I'm not old yet, but I'm starting to feel old. Uh, but that was like starting in the early two thousands. So like computers and the internet are very much a part of our lives. Um, social media, very much part of my life. And as I was growing up, I'm seeing all these sort of like talks, especially after nine 11, like we need to innovate. We need to add all this stuff. Um, and what sort of inevitably happens is someone comes up with an idea and they have you know uh it's sort of half-brained or, or it's not thought out or it doesn't work with firefighters and, and, and emts and cops so you know it's a great system but because they never thought about you know how it's actually going to be utilized it, it just dies on the vine you said applied innovation which i'm assuming means like you are using it as it's being innovated and because of your background you're building it to actually function for the people that it's ultimately going to end up in the hands of
1: Yes, absolutely, and that's that's important because tech for tech's sake uh, is not
0: my stick. You know? <laughs> no, you don't just want to um, make your house smart and no,
1: because and- yeah, because listen, there's a lot of tech out there. Tech is cheap. I mean, we're yeah. now it's not it's not like where we were 20 years ago when people were buying a hundred thousand dollar systems. People want a ninety nine cent app.
0: Right. And it functions. I mean, cheap. that's not a terrible thing either. Yeah.
1: Oh no, listen, the, the, he, I have only one criteria for technology. If it works for what you're using it for, then it's the best thing there is. <laughs>
0: that's I, I think that's a very good metric to use. And and, and and I and I'll show you, and there's fidelity to this, right? Yeah.
1: I'll show you how to build a command center in an Excel spreadsheet. I all the way up to the most modern decision intelligence, artificial intelligence. And in multiple domains, right? So let's just talk about cybersecurity real quick. Yeah. You can download a free intrusion detection system or buy the highest end system, right? And there's fidelity between that. And that's what applied innovation is, is understanding the fidelity and applying the right technology at the right time so that it actually can do the work it's supposed to do.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, certainly in emergency management, I um, have been lured uh to spend money and buy software that i was like this is great like i got sold on it it looked cool um and it was not terrible technology it was great technology um but i couldn't get the rest of my team to use it so basically i bought a software for a eoc of one and uh, i spent many many times essentially running the virtual eoc uh unnecessarily because that's not what people were doing and uh, ultimately, my lesson was learned shortly uh, into some s- significant planning and, and incident responses and realized uh, we should just use Microsoft Teams since that's what's everyone everyone's using. Um, and lo and behold, things got a lot more efficient and worked properly. But because I was like, well, I need an emergency management software. I have to buy this specific system versus, uh, no, I just need to find somewhere for these folks to coordinate on. And, and I worked in higher ed, so it was actually... Kind of challenging. These folks are not necessarily well versed in all of the uh, ICS uh, vernacular and uh, sort of the the structure that we build incidents out of. They're used to running, you know, departments and colleges and everything else. So I think that's awesome. And
1: Um, if and if if you and if you think government is underfunded, right? Welcome to (laughs) academia.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially uh, public safety academia.
1: And you hit the nail on the head because it's not about the technology. It's about what are you going to get people to use. And in today's world, people use what they're used to, what they're attracted to. It's very hard to get people to implement different things unless they're highly motivated to do it. Yeah. And 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 some and some individuals are. I can tell you in many disasters we deployed incident management systems on the fly. Yeah. That was better than any pre-training because during the disaster. Most people don't complain. Right. They they're, were,
0: they're, complain. they're not going there with their preconceived and then, notions. they like, then I after just need to get six it done. Out, and, then
1: after six, yeah, and then after six hours of being in the EOC, they're all experts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, a word from our sponsors. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. Sawyer products offer the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, water, and injuries. Everything from insect repellents to water filtration. The filters are used in disaster situations all over the world. So whether you're in the back country or in the backyard, check out sawyer.com to learn more. All right, so let's actually talk about, uh, so last week we talked about the uh, Hurricane Ian making landfall. It has since made landfall. Uh, our concern back then was that it was actually going to hit Tampa, which is, was extremely vulnerable to, uh, a ca- any hurricane, uh, much less or much more a, a category four hurricane. Uh, but it actually hit South of, um, at Tampa area and, and, really, really basically nailed the Fort Myers beach, uh, and Sanibel Island and these other, uh, locations just South of Tampa. Uh, you're actually in Florida and, um, you know, you're still so we were talking before, you're still seeing like we're we're this isn't even over. Like so this is uh it's Tuesday morning and they're still making rescues.
1: Yeah, and I believe the the high river uh um, marks are at least another day away. Yeah. So and there it, may be more places inundated, evacuated, and rescued in the in the coming days as well.
0: Yeah, and you've got uh so there's there's a bunch of things at play. One is Florida is basically not that high above this is, you know, the ocean at any point, uh, in the state. Uh, but on top of that, just crazy amounts of rain that, that came out of the storm. Um, and it kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, and everything kind of drains towards Florida, I believe, as it comes out of Georgia and stuff as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think what's crazy is, and here's something that's interesting about technology and how we've changed. So I remember growing up watching hurricanes So my parents always turned on the news at dinner, right? Like six o'clock, the news was on and we were like captured by these events. And I'm a fairly well in tune online person. And I was realizing kind of today, like how quickly we move on from these types of major incidents where, uh, despite this being significant. And I think the, the major media outlets are still covering it pretty uh, heavily, it doesn't have that same sense uh, for me, which means that probably a lot of other people who are online don't have that sort of sense of how bad this actually is. Um, and, you but know, that,
1: but that's every, disa- that's every disaster for everybody. Unless you're impacted, for most people, it's five minutes a night if you're lucky. Yeah. And then they're worried about the, you know, crises in your own life. Uh, nevertheless, not worried about, unless you're responding, you're involved, you're responsible. You're down there, you're impacted, you're a victim, you've got a family member who's a victim
0: which is uh, florida so probably florida. everyone knows someone who's affected by this it's you know it is like america's retirement home if nothing else and uh, a lot of people have moved there you know over the years to escape i know like you know i live in uh, vermont it's cold here and people get tired of that and they move to florida at least oh, for some and, part of and, their life and so.
1: unlike tampa that is fairly wealthy in comparison fort myers and those areas uh mobile homes and people who are retired living on 20 thirty thousand a year if not If not a lot less than that. Yeah, I was listening. And it creates, it creates a whole different dynamic and then coupled with the inland flooding and the lack of flood insurance in a lot of areas that never contemplated flooding, uh, people will not even have the means to recover and the disparities and inequities that are going to be created because of this in the state of Florida is going to be, you know. Mm -hmm uh i probably by by the by the prolonged response that's gonna happen
0: yeah um and that's not to say like there were some things that i i saw that went really well i guess after um maybe it was irma uh there was a they i guess florida's power systems have all essentially been heavily uh a lot of mitigation funds have been put into securing them to make sure that they'll survive, uh, you know, basically I'll, any hurricane I'll, that's I'll thrown at, there.
1: At, I'll I'll attest to that in the last five years, I don't think I've lost cell phone in any storms and yeah. I've lost my roof a few times
0: during a few the times. years.
1: We had the storms come, uh, uh, the storms come all three storms came within a few miles uh of the house, but I'm pretty far inland. Yeah. So they lose a lot of steam by the time they get here. So while winds are a factor, uh flooding is then the other factor, which yeah. you can see now is is you know doubled and tripled. Uh because areas are flooding that, you know, listen, the the the, the land is changing. People are constantly building uh the sinkholes as I understand it. And I can't which is I terrifying. A, an article that verifies this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering, does this now create more sinkholes because you're rushing so much more water through? As I understand it, the sinkholes around Tampa are caused by the strawberry fields being watered during frost.
0: Yeah, and there's there's a lot of um, soft, like uh, r- dissolvable rock that causes issues, yep. and, and the fact that like a lot of wetlands have been destroyed, there's not sort of the absorption that used to be there, um, and then, like you said, so, development. So, uh,
1: so, <clears throat> so, so, so to go to our topic, all of that, to me, lends itself to real applied innovation what works to help us monitor understand deploy digital twin that we don't have a digital twin and we can't model the water flow in a state today with the capabilities we have we were doing lidar on 9 11. yeah i know somebody's got detailed lidar models of the entire state that they're not readily available put together and analyze that people are surprised by where it floods we know where it's raining yeah the, the calculus should be as easy as a clue model for a, a hazmat or a bomb
0: so uh, let's let's but, talk about well, that we then don't,
1: we don't we don't we don't see that kind of stuff right
0: so you're an emergency manager you're you've been a responder um you know you're in you're literally in this you're, you're living amongst the the re- response right now what are some tools emergency managers should be looking at right now? One thing I did notice a lot of, and and I I think we talked about this before we started recording is how there's drones. Everyone's got drones now, and everyone's highlighting that they're using drones. Um, but whether or not they're using drones, how they should be used, or or um, where they're taking full advantage. It's probably a better way to say it is: Are they getting the full advantage of using you know UAS and drones? Is another question. But you as a I I, I
1: I would tell you with the technology people have today, the answer is probably yes. Yeah. Right, because listen, most people do not have multicasting on their drones. You know, a lot a lot of them, especially when you get to the local levels, are buying the 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 lesser uh, drones. Do they the have DJIs. thermal imaging? Yeah. I mean yeah, I mean listen, a, a drone is a vehicle that takes a sensor to a location for some operational answer. So if you're looking, what are you looking to solve? Am I doing damage assessment? Then drones are not going to be very effective when is doing, you know, high-res flyovers of, you know, hundreds of square miles every
0: day. Which I shared on my LinkedIn. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, I gave you everyone access to that. It's an awesome tool and it's totally free. And if you're an emergency manager and down there, track that stuff.
1: It's been, and it's been around five years ago. I used it to uh, track the damage for my house in Key Largo during Irma without having to drive down there
0: yeah it's a huge it's tool not like
1: that it's not like it's a huge tool it's it's absolutely ph- phenomenally useful and should be given out everywhere because it alleviates people trying to get back home
0: so i'll i'll give a quick shout out to the university of vermont spatial analysis lab in Jarlath. uh i got to jarleth o'neill dunn who's the leader there i get to work with them One of the things that we, so they actually just got a new uh, partnership with Assure, which is like this national partnership of, uh, it's not just drones, it's remote sensing in general. And one of the things that we always tried to instill in people, because I got to be a part of like a lot of early drone and UAS programs, uh, like, I mean, God, this is 10 years ago, as these were sort of coming online, it was becoming affordable for, uh, and, and also people were offsetting like, maybe we don't need a helicopter, we can get away with a drone. The fact that like with when you're looking at using UAS and remote sense data in a disaster, the drone's good for like 10 acres or less. You really, there's just not enough, uh, like there's requirements. But, but,
1: but also what, what, what are you gonna do with that data? Yes, oh, data management, question. yes. <laughs> yeah, because now, okay, so listen, the NOAA stuff, rapid damage assessment, high level overview, wonderful. Now let's get down to detailed local damage assessment the lidars, like the Navis uh, mobile lidar that you wear on your shoulders, yeah, um, the Leica's BLK to goes that run in your hand and also on the dog and on the drone, yeah, are fantastic tools to do detailed damage assessment, and it can actually tell you the flood lines. It can automatically assess the uh, what's on the ground. Right, because they're using this stuff in construction today. I can yeah. scan a building and it'll tell me where the pipes and studs and other things are. We just need to train models to understand disasters and then it'll calculate it up for us. Right, so- and he- here's where this is going, right? You then take that model and you upload it to the blockchain, and a smart contract will evaluate that and go, yep, you do have that damage, and it'll automatically pay you right there on the spot. That may be 10 years in the future but that's the kind of use cases that we will absolutely be able to have
0: yeah and i think so even uh just getting it i guess somewhere where people can see so i remember especially as emergency managers are commuting this stuff like communicating this stuff looking from above like the NOAA stuff so so anyways the one when i'll take it one step further so our model that we used was You use satellites to sort of start to understand where areas were impacted, right? So you can even build some uh, software um, and determine where water's gone over roads or where, you know, you're doing change detection type stuff. So you can start to identify broad regions where you know you got impacted by whatever the event is. Then you use the, um, you know, helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft to cover a region. Now, you can't quite get to the uh, level of, you know, detail that you may need for for what you're talking about you can obviously do lidar and stuff but this stuff takes a little bit longer uh lidar off aircraft because it's just huge 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 data sets takes a lot of time to process um, but you can definitely get good imagery but it's hard to sort of Really tell what you're looking at. Like you can see houses shifted, roofs off, debris on the ground, boats and yards, not, not, that type not, of stuff.
1: Not, not 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 any not anymore. There's all sorts of suites to post-process the lidar that's available today, and not only give it texture but also automatically identify the structural components.
0: So as you, so there we go. So now now you've got some like higher clarity. You aren't using the drone necessarily at that point, though. The drone is like you're in the neighborhood.
1: No, no, you, you, no, you would. You, there's so you let, let's just talk about sure. something that's the one of the smallest Leica BLK to go lidars. It's a handheld unit the size of a thermos, right? And you have one in your hand, or you can have it on a drone, or you can put it on the the robot dog that you've seen. Right, yep. And uh, all three of those have different use cases, but it's medium fidelity LIDAR that can be rapidly captured. Right, You do that scan and you upload that to a computer and then post-process it will overlay because one of the things the uh, Leica does, and all of them do for the most part, is it not only takes the LIDAR, it's also taking either full motion video yeah. or uh, one second fisheye. And so when it's done, it can then texture everything with the imagery it took. And there's post-processing tools that not only texture it, will analyze and understand some of the simple structures and turn them into a level one building information model.
0: All right. So everyone that's listening, this is real. This is now, however, what is a way that an emergency manager who is not sort of well-versed in this can dip their toes in it?
1: you pick up the phone and you call me and we'll put a team <laughs> together that can do it. That can do it for you.
0: All right. That's yeah, a good I mean, start. Listen,
1: other, other, than, other than that, I really don't, don't know have an easy answer for this. Uh, the, the other option is you have somebody in your shop who was like, I was and hungry for knowledge and innovation and technology and willing to implement it because everything I just talked about, you can just go buy it off the shelf and implement it tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Uh, and for instance, I have a new iPad pro. And it's got LIDAR that will have RGB attached to, uh, each point. So you have a textured, uh, LIDAR, um, you know, image or not an image, uh, a model, I guess, you have
1: a, 3, um, you have a 3d, you have a 3d model when you're done and you can take that 3d model and then drop it into Esri. So when I was working or for if the, you're, if you're using, uh, some of the latest in the Apple LIDAR, it'll actually build the level one, uh, building model for you.
0: Yeah so like the
1: objects right it recognizes the wall and the drawers
0: like we used to use the uh, sensefly eb which used essentially triangulated uh imagery so it just kind of rectified everything into the 3d uh model so it was not lidar but it was almost as accurate as lidar no,
1: pho- pho- photo- photogrammetry photogrammetry yeah 4d yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah pix 4d exactly Um but it took if if you're following the NVIDIA and the other photogrammetry stuff where they can take two two two-dimensional images and turn them into three D models, that's all becoming much more advanced as well. So And I gotta be honest, I I have not met a 3D model that I couldn't interoperate with. Uh, the three D modeling universe is much more interoperable than
0: uh so, places, so sure. the original, and I'm gonna probably get this messed up. I think it was it was either it might have been Pix4D. Uh the original purpose of that software, I believe, was actually medical use. So it was like uh interpreting CT scans and stuff. And then someone was like, Well, if it can do that with this, why can't it do it with that? Um, it used to be really, really, really difficult to sort of process these. So, like back even 10 years ago, you know, we were spending uh, like 50 grand on a desktop and All its job was, was we would get back from a flight and then load everything into that. And then hopefully in the next 24 hours, you know, assuming nothing broke overnight, we would have a, uh, a rendered, you know, 3d model, um, using photogrammetry that was within, I think it was less than, uh, the accuracy was within like five to 10 centimeters of LIDAR, um, Lidar took even longer. It was much harder to work with, and you had to have a very stable platform. Like you'd have uh, essentially surveying equipment, and you'd have to get into the hole if you were, you know, scanning the hole. So our our project was actually built off of the destruction of roads in Vermont after Irene, and how it took a long time to sort of get engineers and the equipment in there to figure out how much material was needed. Um, and when you're talking about a disaster, that gets really complex because as the uh, resources are, um, being used everywhere. You have people who are like, well, I don't know exactly how much we need. Let's go on the side of caution and order more than we actually need, which is, you know, you're robbing from somebody else who may need that stuff as well. Um, and so now we're advancing to this today. I essentially can do what I was doing with very, very expensive equipment on a relatively inexpensive, uh, tablet now, um and the like you said the processing i think is the the biggest change um and the fact that it like you said it doesn't matter what the data is that's going into it
1: and, and to be completely honest artificial intelligence vision analytics neural nets that has really shown itself to shine we have gotten very good at object video analytics and all of this kind of stuff especially when you couple it with machine learning and AI, so you can use video to analyze just about any behavior today.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about that. All right, so we're, we've we've sort of covered. Florida is still very much responding. There is stuff you can do now. I mean, the biggest thing is take advantage of that imagery. If, you, if you're if you starting from like literally square one, um, that NOAA imagery is available. Um, I'll even put a link. I'll put a link into the show notes just so you have access to this. Um, but let's get more into so blockchain, AI, and digital and, twin and, stuff. And, 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 Sorry, go ahead.
1: And you and I talked about fidelity real quick. Let me yes. just mention here but while we wrap this up sure. here. Uh, you know, in your uh, LinkedIn post about technology, I posted a tool, uh, Spike for Mike. Yes. Right, and that's a, that's a small laser pointer you add to a phone to be able to add high-accuracy measurements uh, to any photograph. Um, I've used that $200 device and a cell phone coupled with the LiDAR you're talking about on your iPad to uh, generate detailed building information models and if you don't know what a building information model is it's an architectural model in a few different formats that's literally a 3d model of every single stick wood truss wall anything everything huh. at an architectural at an architectural level so when i say you can take a building information model you can go a third of this building is damaged use gis to show what third of the building yeah. is damaged and then press a button and calculate. I need 27 two by fours, three sheets of plywood, whatever, Interesting. Rugs, carpets, la- lamps. If you've not don't know what a building information model is, in the architectural engineering and construction space, you're you're, you're missing a lot, right?
0: Yeah, I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> because I do not want and
1: And what's interesting is those building information models, Esri has recently here made an investment to integrate into Autodesk. So you can literally connect right up to the Autodesk construction cloud and suck in building information models that were created by your architects to do detailed damage assessment of your properties if you actually did that. Yeah, and have your 3D model. If you don't have a 3D model, you can create a 3D model for a few hundred bucks from a paper model and photographs.
0: That's awesome. This is like uh, so again, this is, this is not stuff that is out of the realm of possibility for an average emergency manager who understands, you know, how to take a picture, how to every, like...
1: every emergency, every emergency manager should be planning on how to get a detailed 3D building information model for every property they're responsible for. First of all, you're going to need it for e911 because it has Z variables now. So unless you want the 911 call floating in space, you got to have a rough building model. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it's you know what's the point to having elevation?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's there. There right? is no point. In fact, I think that could be argued many times that you know as this is that's a that's a perfect example of like, uh, good intent, bad execution. <laughs> Uh, a so, lot so of if you're not fi- if you
1: if if you're not figuring out how to 3d model your world and your environment and create your own digital twins in your emergency management realm because yeah. once you do that, you can now take it through scenarios that right. will understand where the flooding is going to happen and all of this is doable literally today and you can probably do a, a small community for under ten thousand dollars
0: so let's talk about that so this is digital twin is essentially what you're talking about. Uh, the AI Correct. is the background that's sort of doing the work now and neural, uh, neural networks and all these other sort of components, there's, there's, like, which so, doesn't so necessarily, there's, there's... sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of touch points for AI in the process where okay. it's appropriate. AI is very appropriate, a person is more appropriate, but there's, you basically interstitch it into the process where it's most appropriate. Got it. So I analyzed the lidar with AI to get to level one but then a uh, an individual builds out the rest of the model to level two and three,
0: and that's just because of like contextual right? information that they need, or
1: it, it, it's because you want, depending on what you're doing, that uh, may have some level of domain expertise, because okay. that t- level two or three model builder may be an actual architect. Yeah. Right, Got and it. in many cases he is because AutoDesk and those building models service the AEC community, the architectural, engineering, and construction community. These are the tools that they use to build buildings.
0: Well, I think what right. a lot of EMs when they're looking at technology, it's honestly because they're an office of one, <laughs> or an office of like two or three, and trying to augment them. So the fact that like you know doing your your PDAs. And other stuff where you are rapidly collecting huge amounts of you know good useful data that makes their life easier, right? If they can send out a car that just drives around and scans the neighborhood versus you know having to have you know your extremely limited staff or trying to coordinate how you're going to work with uh, FEMA or, or state you know uh, PDA teams to do this, um, and even then you know you're getting you know whatever information you're getting from those teams in some cases you know like a community's going to start on pen and paper. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So listen, here, here's how I recommend You know, uh, I used to rent out, I was a local EM, a shop of two, right? And sometimes a shop of one, depending on the day. Uh, I used to lease out my EM to other organizations to hold trainings when we didn't have disasters. Yes. Yeah. I had essentially a training room and we would make, you know, benefit other organizations in the county with that. Digital twins is a team sport. Yeah. A lot of people in the organization can make good use of this every day parks and rec, uh, the building insurance guys, right? Think about this, a digital twin recorded to the blockchain is absolute verifiable proof that that building existed and every stick and window and element that made that building that building.
0: Yeah. So you are you're basically. By one tool, you're making not just your life easier, you're making potentially your entire uh, county or, or town or city uh, actually more prepared because you have this information you're making, file.
1: you're making You're making all of these people not only more resilient, but there's, listen, there's return of investment because yeah. everyone now has to be carbon neutral. So if you don't understand all the buildings in your space, there's some compliance person in the county, state, city, whatever, who's trying to understand
0: energy efficiency. Yeah, they're mapping the whole envelope of buildings.
1: Well, and look at the facility in uh, the community in Fort Myers that sustained no damage and had power the entire time run by solar.
0: Yeah, that was cool. I saw that this morning. Right.
1: If you if you don't have a digital twin of your community and you're not running analysis on where you might be doing that, <laughs> then you're missing the boat
0: today. Well, and the other thing that I'm super excited <laughs> about in particular for, you know, like uh, I I um I think we absolutely have to prepare for this. I think we also tend to put this as a a, ha- a hazard that we uh don't we we think it's the number one hazard but we don't really prepare for it the way that i think we should is the active shooter hostile event stuff um and the reason that we don't prepare for it the way we should is because often it's just hard to get everyone together to train and exercise this stuff um plus it's like kind of traumatic like you don't really want kids necessarily having to go through uh uh reliving a active shooter exercise every month um you know without kind of collectively traumatizing them like that's what happens like it's a scary event kids don't have this sort of context and capability to fully understand what's happening so how do you exercise this on a regular basis where you're keeping responders the dispatchers the emergency managers uh, emts all this stuff like spun up on it if you have a digital twin of your facilities you know you don't have to shut down the building or do uh, a a active you know full-scale exercise while there's students in the area and stuff you can simulate whatever you want as many times as you want Um, build in whatever variables you need to um, and where that used to be like just obscenely expensive uh, to get done uh, or it just took forever you just you know you had to hand model it sure it could be done for cheap but it was a lot of work Um, now you can do this fairly quickly so using uh, digital twins in the exercise and training realm particularly in events where it's like logistically challenging Or you just don't, you know, like having people walking around in moulage and stuff. uh, We think it's cool.
1: Or or
0: it's high risk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just dangerous.
1: Just just, just dangerous. I lost uh, buddies of mine many years ago on a training fire. uh, A 10-year veteran plus and a uh, rookie
0: of a week. Oh yeah, both
1: so lost their life on a training burn from uh, from my former
0: department. I uh, actually <laughs> talked to somebody who was there for that, and it still is still haunts them. So, uh, yeah, that's that is a uh, an excellent point. And I also sometimes don't, <laughs> you know, like we do this. I think the full scale exercises are really cool. Uh, they're fun. You like to turn wheels and stuff, but often. You don't necessarily get out of them what you're trying to because you either can't simulate to the fidelity that we were talking about before, um, for whatever reason, um, or because uh, you're so limited in the actual sort of scenarios that you can do without breaking stuff. And so, and,
1: and they're and they're and they're very subjective depending on how they're run. Yeah. So so here's what we've been doing today. We've been working with an Israeli company that specializes in multimodal artificial intelligence simulation and training. So what does that mean in practice? They take and monitor tabletop and field exercises in addition to coupling that with discrete virtual skills, right, firefighting, yeah. CPR. And if you go look through my LinkedIn feed, you'll see samples of all of these. And But all of those are not just you know, playing a video games, it's capturing metrics. How yeah. quickly did the guy drop to the ground and do the ABCs? Sure. How did he look around? Did he actually look around in VR and do some situational awareness, right? Did he look around the corner and see this? Because putting all of this stuff, so right now today, Zach, I can show you how to build a 3D digital twin of just about anything you want. And uh, Esri recently released a one-click button that converts it to vr and then you open up the link in your oculus rift and you're fully
0: immersed in your map all right please show me that i did so actually I- uh share your your flood model uh your yeah i believe it was a flood <laughs> model that you shared uh that was the esri uh uh i guess it's vr ar um whatever it was um and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is so cool like this is like uh, this is where, so this is where the thing. Yeah, that,
1: was, that, 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 literally, that literally, so once I built the 3D model, which yeah.
0: took a, a couple of
1: hours to do, you click one click and it converts it to VR and then for a few hundred dollars, put it, put the URL in your Oculus Rift. And uh, listen, it works on a phone. If you put yeah. it on your phone and move the phone around, it's uh, AR enabled, the, the image will move with the phone movement.
0: So... Uh- just because I literally could we've we're almost 40 minutes and I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, Let's talk about then so we sort of talked about the stuff that you're doing right now to degree Uh, the AI decision making thing we haven't touched on. Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah, listen, that that is very important. And this is a fairly new concept that Forbes Gartner, uh, others Google have been writing about. And it's essentially you can look it up the concept of decision intelligence. And this is essentially the overrider on top of artificial intelligence and all of those machine learning components that we talked about that you can plug in, right? Essentially, how do you use the results of artificial intelligence to make decisions, right? Because while people think AI is Skynet and it makes decisions for you, (laughs) it doesn't. It provides you results that then you still have to interpret and apply to your situation. That's sure. decision intelligence. And, right? you're... and these are very important concepts as an emergency manager because it's how an emergency manager can then apply AI to their business. And what we have found in recent projects is AI applies to you know planning uh, phases 4 and 6 very well. But not the other phases all that well. And we've actually been modeling and creating libraries of decision intelligence support capability based on simulations and artificial intelligence interpolation of data.
0: See, this makes me very excited because where are like where we cause the most damage. As decision makers is in the very early moments. And that's not because humans are bad decision makers. It's because we're inundated with so many different streams of data, and we have so little information to work on, and we're so task saturated, and we ultimately want to make decisions quickly. And we're also usually in this stage, the least resourced. Um, you know, hurricanes offer a little bit of time to sort of stage stuff ahead and and get folks together and you know, have a better uh, decision making group. Um, but often the tornado, the explosion, the fire, the train derailment, you know, these are happening when it's, uh, your office of one or two and, and your, your second person is out, you know, she's training, uh, uh, you know, another agency on something and she's across town and can't come back. And your other guy is, you know, off on vacation that week. So it's just you. And now you have all of this stuff happening and you've got to start making decisions. Uh, to me, that's where I start to see AI as a huge, um, Leap in uh I guess assisting you with the decisions. Uh it's it it can give you maybe uh consolidate information into ways that makes it easier to make decisions. Um, or it can just take like you No, know,
1: no, that that's that's absolutely correct. Yeah. We're building models so that the results of artificial intelligence, which is essentially let's define AI real quick. Sure. AI is a multiple how you apply, AI is essentially the simulation of human intelligence off the computers, right? The discrete meaning, the marketing meaning, everyone talking about (laughs) who says they've got AI, right? Yeah, Is because they're using machine learning, trained or untrained, natural language processing, vision analytics, automation, or any of those, you know, 10 plus components that you can consider AI. Yeah. Again, we got Skynet on the left and we got (laughs) vendor marketing hype on the right, right? That's why when I talk about AI, I'll talk about where we used it. Because we literally have been running pilots to figure out where AI works. Because how else can you offer it unless you know what it does and how it can augment and benefit the operation?
0: So, what are like the applications?
1: Not all. all Yeah, not all technology is the best technology used for the given situation
0: yeah for sure i think we often fall into the trap where we buy something because we think it's the best and then we have to use it and then we get stuck in this like Uh, Oda loop where we're like, you know, I'm looking at this. I know what I need to do. I'm orienting myself. I need to make this decision and I need to take action. But I also now need to jam in this additional thing of, you know, the software that I spent 50 grand on or per year. And then this other thing that I, you know, got trained in. So I feel like I should do it Um, when we really just need to sort of I, I like technology as an augmentee, uh, you know, again, cause I was always in a s- single or small shop and having technology to sort of back me up on my decisions or help me make decisions or help me execute. Actually, and that's,
1: and that's what AI is good for and analyzing data, telling you what it sees and making recommendations based on recommendation trees that you and your team have built. So they're tailored recommendations based on local conditions that you basically capture up, which you should be capturing up in a good planning process anyway. And you can now get the recommendations based on the existing conditions because you can feed it information like population, traffic flow, uh, demographics, et cetera and so forth.
0: That's amazing! Stuff I'm very excited about that. All,
1: the stuff, the stuff that you can all read through, and keep yeah. in mind, there's a lot of data out there, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, that you can get mobile data, advertising data, OnStar data, right? We know more about where people are moving and what they're doing than than you would think. The problem is, is that getting to you, the local one guy shop in small uh, uh, county in Florida? Yeah, maybe if you have the right contacts, right?
0: Yeah, well, and not only that, like data is dynamic, right? Like if you're using it uh, by sort of virtue, the minute you download it, it's outdated. So how do you like feed into these sort of live streams? I think it's, uh, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And I've, you know, I've built those, no, those but beautiful, that, but, that,
1: but that's, that, that's the beauty of Esri and some of these other platforms. I yeah. mean, everything you've seen me build, I just go into ArcGIS online and have been able to find because GIS professionals are fairly good at sharing their data. Yes. And Esri <laughs> has created a whole sphere to share this data where you just, hey, once I click, once I make it public or, or share it in ArcGIS online, you know, I'm just sucking in that data and now I can do my own analysis.
0: My last job. Because yeah,
1: listen, it, 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 it's not about the common operational picture. Yeah. It's about the user-defined operational picture. answering my question that i have because that's my domain logistics planning whatever
0: well and i think people get very overwhelmed uh with just the like amount of data that's out there one of the things especially gis like every emergency manager has to know gis like i'm I, i know i think this is becoming more common but like it's such a like foundational tool for everything that we do everything is is spatial and it's all uh there's all this other just uh, informational data that you can pull in, contextual data, um, you can make decisions. So having the tools that can make that easier uh, makes it more accessible, makes it less daunting. Um, I mean, you know, there is a, a generational technology gap. like certainly, you know, some of the the older emergency managers came in and everything was on paper period. Um, Most of the emergency managers that are coming in now out of college and and into the field have never lived a life where they haven't had access to unlimited data, cell phones, mobile technology. Uh, And so I think we're going to see a much faster adoption. Um, But that doesn't mean that there's still not plenty of emergency managers who don't have the physical uh, bandwidth because there's just, you know, you live in a rural area, the Internet still stinks Um, or the mental bandwidth where. You know, you simply just don't have um, the time and, and brain power to devote to learning new stuff. Like I'm I'm in that situation many times where I'm like, this is so cool, I wanna learn it, but I just don't have time to sit down and, and go through it. So using uh, AI and this other technology, is that,
1: is that, is... go ahead. Zach, I am in the whole business of distilling <laughs> that down and making that consumable to people who literally need to consume it. And if you feel overwhelmed, there's plenty of ways to augment, augment your staff. Yeah. I mean, not long ago, virtual operational support teams were standard to augment your staff. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't hear about them anymore.
0: I know it's kind of sad. Actually, that was like, it was an interesting concept that actually brought me into uh, a lot of emergency management, uh, of the networking and community was because of the Vosts, uh, back in the day and the hashtag so, SMVM so community.
1: But technology, Engagement with your community, enacting your plan when the plan says you're supposed to enact things yeah. without hesitation because of politics and other things is the mainstay of emergency management. And it's easier than people want to put
0: on. Sure. So, what's like, next? Because
1: you're, man- you're an emergency manager. I don't need to intimately understand GIS. I need to understand the value and have a geek who can do it for me. <laughs> it no does offense help. Yes. To my, no offense, no I, offense. I'm a to geek. My I, GIS yeah. There's, for, yeah, you're, yeah. you have
0: to be a geek to really get into <laughs> GIS, especially if you're cheap and you're using QGIS where you got to do a lot of the work uh, through Python and stuff like I have. Um, that's a no, very good point. I've
1: been, di- I, I, I've been digital twinning now for, for the last 10 years. In the last year, Esri has made it easy. Yeah. It literally has been point and click. They've got the tools and the ability to deploy it. A matter of fact, I just sent you a link to a damage assessment, virtual reality. So you can actually visualize the damage in VR.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: I- and if you had built, if you had building models, you could then be down at the building model. And here's something better than that. If you had two people in there doing LIDAR, In a day, you could have 50 people walking through your community in VR.
0: Well, I think one of the things that has occurred recently that was technology and had a massive impact on the outcome of of an event was when the Weather Channel introduced their augmented reality where they had someone standing there and then they showed what a storm surge looks like on a, you know, uh, one story house. At the elevation of, you know, I forget what the actual storm was. I remember sitting in on a talk.
1: Is it is, it, is it is isn't that what zone A, B, and C is? You don't you don't have to visualize it. But you just have to just, look it at just the zone you're you're assigned to. But
0: I think for most people they don't realize like oh I'm in a flood zone like that means water is going to come up and I need I won't be able to drive through it. I don't think they realize in many cases that what a nine foot or twelve foot storm surge truly looks like. Uh, there's all these this uh, I'd say great footage. It's not. It's it's horrific and catastrophic. But there's a there was a I think it's Severe Studios uh, set up their storm surge cams all over uh, the Fort Myers area as the storm was moving in, and to see the time lapse of like oh there was a building that building is gone and this is how it works. If you can use virtual reality for for preparedness efforts, so you're training people into like this is what you're going to experience. Like when we tell you to leave. It's not because we think this is going to happen. We know this is going to happen. The data is there. The model is is 100%. Like, we know this is going to happen. Like, we've, we've seen this before. You're standing in it, and you're looking around. You're seeing that water come up and realizing, oh, my God, like, nine foot of water, I'm dead if I'm in this building, period. Yeah, um, and,
1: that, and that's where we're hopeful. Decision intelligence and artificial intelligence will help leaders to confidently make that decision at a more appropriate time.
0: And potentially it's going to help right, you get so, more so money, so right? So. I mean, ahead of time, mitigation yeah, and you funds know what? And it's, it's
1: really, let, 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 let's backtrack a little bit because you and I both come from the disaster realm. Uh, this is going to be made public and Gallo's rumor <laughs> is something that is a part of our industry. It but is, if yes. You've been impacted, if you've been impacted by this event or have lost somebody, uh, it's substantial, of course. And in my mind, all of this work and all of this technology for first and foremost. So why would I want to go in and do a LiDAR damage assessment very quickly, so that I can then send teams in safely, because I can catalog all the hazards by only sending two people in, yeah. but
0: thirty people
1: can then assess that data for me.
0: Yeah, or you can even right? crowdsource I, it. I can
1: put. The- I can put anybody I want to once I've got the data, Yeah. right? And think about it. They're putting in now damage assessment teams, nails and tetanus and whatever. And Snakes. we'll be doing damage assessment down there for yeah. months that if you sent one team through, could all be done virtually.
0: Yeah, 100%. By
1: experts then, right? You yeah. could then send it to the expert who doesn't want to go down there at X university Who's an well, expert in whatever
0: <laughs> perfect example. So Jarlath, hey, the guy, look at, was,
1: look, 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 look at this boat jammed on this house. What's the best way to get it
0: off the <laughs> propane tank, right? <laughs> uh, Jarlath, uh, who I was talking about earlier, uh, put out a request, you know, or put out an offer to anyone who needed uh, GIS data, um, uh, you know, analyzed or, or manipulated in any way to help them with their response. Uh, you know, he's got a whole laboratory full of eager students who want to do good things. So,
1: um, so, so Zach, maybe yeah. your podcast should be the next Vost, but it's a national Vost that ties together. All sorts of capabilities that can be applied when it's
0: needed. I think that's what we really want. The
1: people, the people are out there to do it.
0: Of course, there are. They I want to
1: do it. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, and it's um, and we've probably sort of been kneecapped in our uh, efforts over the last few years because of the fact that you know, like a lot of us were, were locked down, um, trying to stay safe and, and or just in response mode where we couldn't do this stuff. So it's hard to sort of network like we used to. And then because everything's gone virtual, more,
1: even more the reason to bring this into some yeah. metaverse and yeah. make it all virtual because people don't want to travel and there's risk yeah. of putting all these responders together in some, you know, hotel eight <laughs> outside of I75. Yes. Uh, because forget about the unsanitary conditions that exist in flood zones and disasters. Yeah we do have to worry about COVID and all the other things as well. Yeah,
0: of course. We, uh, should,
1: be. we should be concerned, right? We
0: should, absolutely. And, and so what, I,
1: what, what, what I'm talking about is literally less than a $100,000 kit. Yeah. And think about how much stuff we spend $100,000 on.
0: Oh, my God. Remember a after 9-11? Light, we were couple- buying mobile command centers for every community in the country. Of course, all of them broke down because nobody could afford the maintenance on them, but... Yeah,
1: But that's not today, right? A few LiDAR scanners are $100,000. If you add a robot, it's another $50,000. And then a Starlink to upload it all at the end of the day, because there's no comms, is $500 and $99 a month. Which is
0: unheard of. I mean, I just remember standing in fields, trying to make a a satellite phone call and just looking like (laughs) the idiot, trying to figure out where... (laughs) the stupid constellation is, I, I need a compass. I need to remember, oh, I'm in the Northern Hemisphere, so I gotta go, it's, it's at a much lower, uh, so I need to get hot. yeah, it's a whole nightmare now. Yeah, you got Starlink, you have the so, whole so I, I to- I
1: told you, I told you we had multiple presidentially declared disasters back yeah. in the late 90s when I was with the fire department. My first mobile command unit that I built myself, I bought from start, it was a 64 Air Force satellite tracking bus. Nice. That I bought for a thousand bucks and had repainted it. Yeah. (laughs) But but I outfitted it with the latest in computers and weather systems. And I bought myself one of the first satellite dishes that would only down a few kilobits. Yeah. And then you would make the web request via cell phone.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So (laughs) much work. It took 45 minutes to set the thing up because you had to go out and position it manually. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I was psyched when we could just Uh, do text messaging on sat phones. Like, that was like, oh, this makes life so much easier because I can never understand anyone and they can never understand me. And I was like, oh, I can just send them a message.
1: We had had, had satellite weather and data back in 98 in a 64 tracking. This is about passion and willingness and wanting to do it is what technology is about. And, And any department that doesn't want to embrace it, Don't worry. They'll
0: be gone soon. (laughs) It's true. I mean, yeah, those, those folks, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not, I I understand They retire, they die.
1: I mean, listen, there's plenty
0: of dinosaurs, but,
1: but there's less and less every day.
0: The, uh, I mean, the, the joke when I was growing up in the fire service was always 250 years of tradition unimpeded by progress. And I'm now seeing,
1: What are you you talking about? As a paramedic, (laughs) I replaced my engineer with a uh, thumper yeah and a uh a chalk right yep uh
0: i'm and i'm i'm i am very hopeful because uh i'm on the state urban search and rescue team we have a lot of like chiefs and and officers on there and i don't do fire stuff anymore i really just do emergency management and, and planning stuff and uh, but I still am friends with tons of firefighters, and to see like the cool stuff that they're doing, and the fact that they are very fully willing and and able to embrace this stuff, I think we're going to see much more augmentation. Are they are they
1: using uh, are they using ATAC and Blue Force tracking? And stuff uh, like the that?
0: ATAC yeah. stuff. So no, a lot of them uh, were using. Honestly, it's um, so ATAC is great, but that still is very much a, a military they, system. They don't
1: switch. You saw you saw a switch. No, you they're can using they're, Dude, they're using a the simple one you can doubt
0: the, the uh the you
1: can download of uh,
0: hang on a second go ahead, ahead, look it up sorry. i'm trying to find the software uh it's i have it on my phone i don't know why i can't think of it it's no 30. no
1: you you saw converted to esri oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, you're talking about survey one like two
0: three that. yeah that stuff is awesome it works super yeah. super easy we actually just played with that uh last week um Survey one, two, three. And then the other one that brings oh. it in is the, uh, yeah, I can't think of the other system, but quick, yeah, we, we are using quick, that. the
1: quick, the quick yes, capture. capture.
0: Yep. Quick capture is awesome. Oh man, I love
1: quick capture is very slick when, when you couple it with survey one, two, three, you can get a lot of data quickly.
0: Oh my God. Why can't I find this app? I so you know,
1: you know, for a hundred, you know, for a hundred dollars a year, you can get a personal Esri account and deploy yeah. quick capture for your family trip. And really? then have all your pictures automatic. Yeah. Dude, literally, you download, uh, go for a hundred dollars a year, go get the Esri personal account. It's called an Esri personal account, and then you can deploy your own quick capture tool uh, to your family, so, and they can ca- they can capture your next family event, and then you can open it up in Esri and the template will just put it all together for you. You don't
0: have to do it. So this is what I think changed the fire and EMS service to be more open to adapting. I am responding. <laughs> that simple app. That would send you your pages as text messages, I think initially, uh, and you could respond back and you could have a display board in your fire station that said who was coming, which was so awesome, especially for rural volunteer fire departments to get there and be like, sure, I know there's three, there's three people coming behind me. I know uh, the ambulance uh, driver, she lives like, you know, two houses down. She's already on the way. She said she's responding. Uh, Our chief is, you know, uh, you know, half mile away. He says he's going direct to the scene. You can make quick decisions, like tactical decisions. And before you even leave the station, you're like, all right, I know I've got drivers for this stuff, so I can do this. Or there's no one coming, so I'm going to go and I'm going to have people respond to the scene or blah, blah, blah. That I think that system. And uh, and
1: And we can we can train people up how to have a complete system like that, customizable, programmable and deployable literally just like the commercials say right i build an app and i'm not even a coder
0: i think the hardest part is
1: in an hour it's basically able to put that together and deploy
0: yeah i think the hardest part for the first responders and the emergency managers is always that like if it doesn't work the first time there's so (laughs) like there's so little bandwidth sometimes to get their attention and and devote them to something they move on
1: Dude, I've been deploying technology for 10, 20, oh, 30 years now. Yeah. My first technology I deployed was pen-based EMS data collection to paramedics. Yeah. And they used to send me to agencies to help me implement the system. Other agencies help implement it. And one agency, I go there and they're using the tablets for wheelchocks. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 really, they really didn't like the system.
0: Yeah. Right. I started and killed a company that was, uh, devoted to getting fire departments to use Google's, uh, the, the Google suite, because I was like, why can we not track anything? I was like, this is free. Let's do it.
1: Listen, getting people to use technology is all about motivation. Yeah. Right. And, and I gotta be honest with you. If you got something to, so that excuse worked for me 20 years ago. If you got something today that works right a hundred percent of the time that you're using tell me what the product is because I can implement an emergency management process on anything. Yeah. So if you want to deploy on word, no problem, brother, we can do
0: it. Yeah. Let's make it happen.
1: (laughs) It's about the process. It's not about the tech. Sure. Yeah. And I I started so early in this industry that we started with word perfect.
0: Oh God. (laughs) Word perfect. I forgot about that. Oh, that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Netscape. Our, fires, uh, our,
1: our fire stations had Citrix. Oh yeah. <laughs> to the fire stations cause they were so remote. So people could just log in and, and turn on their, uh, uh, you know, their timesheets.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: But forget, forget about anything else. So the truth is it's doable. It's all about mindset and motivation And if your community is pushing back on you on doing the right thing, then maybe you don't have the right relationship with your community.
0: I think we are going to we're going to leave it at that because I want you to come back on and we'll talk about what's next. Um, I think we've sort of covered the current landscape. Um, I'm super interested. I, I like I actually. Also want to like speak with some authority on some of the stuff that you've talked about. So I've got about, it sounds like 500 different documents and videos and trainings I have to go through over the next uh, couple weeks, but, um, thank you. Like, this is awesome. I hope everyone that's listening is, is really listening. I hope you listened all the way through. In fact, I'm going to check the analytics because I'm also a data guy and I track this stuff. I'm very curious to see how many people made it through this. Uh, uh, that's usually a good telling of of <laughs> where things are coming and going in uh, the industry. If people stuck through this, then we know that we hit a, we hit a struck a chord. So um, Eric, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully your community, um, you know, Gets through the next couple of days of flooding. Uh, and just, you know, obviously Florida is in our thoughts. Um, in fact, I think we're trying to figure out if we can't, uh, send some folks down there to help out. Um, but, uh, I know there's a lot of people already down there, so we're definitely thinking about that, thinking about how we can use technology to augment, you know, these responses. So we get better at this and then hopefully prevent and better prepare for these things as well. That, that is something I've, I was very much a responder my whole life. And as I've gotten older and I don't want to like crawl around in dirt as much anymore, I've started to focus more on the really truly effective parts of emergency management, which is prevention, preparedness, and mitigation. Um, and I think that this stuff uh, we, we kind of touched on it. Uh, but I think there's a whole lot we can discuss about um, how to use this technology to get people thinking and and be better trained and um, experience this stuff in a way that resonates uh, in ways that we can't do with our traditional methods um so with that thank you eric yeah i know
1: zach thank you very much appreciate your time as well and anyone who does hang in there uh, very much appreciate their time